going to take it. Got it! Boston wins! Two legends in basketball analysis with over 70 years combined experience. This is the Bob Ryan and Jeff Goodman podcast. NBA, some college, a little bit of everything. You know, what can I say? But it wasn't going to happen here with him. I was okay with it because it wasn't about talent, I didn't think. All right, let's get right to it. All right, welcome into another edition of the Ryan and Goodman podcast. And uh, Bob, you're always better dressed than me. I think I need to step up my wardrobe, but I'm I'm home. I just feel more comfortable. I guess I don't know. I don't know. I'm just ready to go out. I got I got stuff to do today. You know, and I, <laughs> I, I get up uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, do a little uh, little exercise, and come back, have breakfast, get ready, uh, prep prep for the show today, and uh, get dressed, shower, you know, the whole thing, and. I'm going to, I'm ready for the day. <laughs> good. You look good. I've been gone for, for two weeks yeah. now. Um, got back home two days ago, still kind of off because of the, the West coast mm-hmm. time difference and just running around. I think it was in nine beds, nine different, whether it was hotel room or my, I started down the Cape at my parents' <laughs> place for a couple of days, nine different uh, beds oh, in 14 oh, days. No, that's crazy. That's tough. I'm that's too old for that crap. I'm crazy. too I'm too old for you know, it. Right I remember now. the first time I ever had a sensation. Uh, my first year covering the Celtics, and uh, that we got on the road, and uh, it was an extensive road trip. And I woke up one morning, and honest to God, I remember saying, "Where am I?" And you know that, that everyone can relate to that that travels. I think everyone who does our job or any similar job, any salesman out there, uh, you know, uh, they know this. But that was I was 24 years old, and it was the first time I ever had. It. It was Philadelphia was the answer, all right? But uh, I remember it was the Warwick Hotel in Philadelphia. But I woke up and said, where am I? I, I, have, I couldn't, you know, that was a strange sensation. See, I do all the, you know, when, when you got to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, you get up, you can't see anything, and you try yeah. to remember which way it was. And yeah, the bathroom's at different spots in every hotel. And you don't want to bang your foot against the bed either. Then have that, 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 you know, so anyway. Anyway, yes. So, so I've, been, I've been anchored. I haven't been going anywhere. Um, we're going to New Orleans, though, tomorrow, my, my wife and I, for the, the uh, college football uh, uh, week, uh, weekend playoff. Play nice. Play. Yeah. Very, so, very nice. Yeah. So you'll, you'll, go, to the, you'll go to the game? You'll, you'll spend some the time there? I'm, I'm there socializing with uh, my uh, col- uh, writer colleagues and sh- chaperoning my wife, who goes there and socializes with the great Dick Weiss's wife, uh, Joni Williamson. And we've been doing this, you know, I've been doing this, going to this game, even though I don't go. The last... I did go to one of them, but I haven't gone to a game in a while. But I do go to the city for the most part. And New Orleans is what is my official favorite domestic destination. And I haven't been there in a Hard to argue. I, I've said, I listen, Some people Final Four. don't like it, but I love it. I think I once wrote that every major sporting event, including all high school state championships in all 50 states, should be held in New Orleans. <laughs> the old, listen, the only problem with that, Bob, is it never closes. So it makes it yeah. difficult if you stay out till 3 a.m. to get yeah, up at 7 yeah. or 8. I did once have an all-nighter. A literally did, really? In which I went directly from the, the, the bar to the airport uh, in New Orleans, which you can do. Uh, I, I had some friends down there that they kept me up all night. And they, and I remember I was going to New York. I was covering an NIT game. It was, and and uh, uh, they had to shake me and wake me when the plane landed in, in LaGuardia. Sir, sir, sir. I was I, <laughs> playing land. I didn't even know I was out. That sounds like Bob Huggins' life anywhere. The all nighters. He used to <laughs> he used to roll in to ABCD camp in Teaneck, New Jersey. 
uh, often what looked like straight from the, the bar in New York City uh, the previous night. He and Andy Kennedy uh, used oh. to roll in, and, and it looked like they came straight from the bar. I, I'm pretty sure they did. <laughs> you know, a city I had I had never been to, Bob, before this past week, I had never been not only to a University of Washington game, I had never been to the city of Seattle, which most people found crazy. Um, you know, I used to, I would see Washington on the road, whatever, and obviously they haven't had an NBA team for uh, a number of years now. A uh, great, great city. I don't know how much you, how much time you spent in Seattle over the course of your life. It's one of my five favorite American destinations. Yeah. I love Seattle. It's a great eating and drinking town. Uh, in the summer, it's gorgeous. You know, now uh, in, in the winter, you know, it, it rains. There's no doubt, you know, and that's part of the deal. But no, I, I was fortunate enough to go there for both uh, the NBA and uh, and uh, baseball, as well as the Final Four in uh, 1995. I remember walking into the kingdom and the word was that big country had just broken the backboard. You don't know if you <laughs> heard that story. It's true. In one, yeah, yeah. In, in big country. Uh, had broken the backboard for yeah, and uh, but Seattle absolutely is one of my favorite cities. I recommend it highly to anybody, particularly in in the you know in the nice weather months. Of course, was it more um, entertaining the city of Seattle than having to watch Virginia basketball last night? Well, I was enjoying the game as a Boston College alumnus, uh, okay. and and going to the game with the with uh, macabre humor. Uh, we were talking before the game, and I uh, said the official over-under for BC points was 40. And my friend Kenny Pavlak from AP said, no, 39. And and I was sitting next to my great friend Joe Sullivan, the retired sports editor of the Boston Globe, who uh, it still writes a basketball uh, you know stuff for the Globe because he these loves college basketball. The only guy, by the way, the only editor I ever worked for in 44 years who knew more and probably liked college basketball even more than I did. That was hard to do, but this guy does. Anyway, we all agreed that we were there for a, you know, a, you were just there out of duty, you know, yes. and there's no way. BC, there's no, there's, and, and there's no possibility they're winning the game. Their best player's not playing, Thornton, you know, the transfer from Southern yep. Cal. And Mitchell, the another kid, is a doubtful starter, and They've already lost their best player for the year, Winton Tabs, who have been a great the sophomore guy. Anyway, so they're going, you know, it's just we were just there, there to see Virginia and, you know, maybe to introduce myself to Tony Bennett, which I, who I have not met, and so forth. Well, we saw one of those things is why you're a sports fan. And this is, I, I'm, I'm going to get on my soapbox now for all those people out there that skew sports and don't have sports in their repertoire of entertainment options, you know, which would include reading and film and theater and art and music and a whole bit, you know, but sport should be part of it because it provides you with a sensation unavailable in all those other, and we had it there last night. BC won the game. Nobody was expect. nobody on earth, nobody. maybe Jim Christian, although I doubt it, maybe the players, although who knows, but nobody thought that we were there for any other reason than to pay homage to the reigning national champions and be loyal to the old alma mater or the boy, you know, or whatever. It was a good basketball game. BC played their ass off. They gave up no second shots. They, re they attacked the defensive boards uh, ferociously all night long. It was a good BC dominated the game except for yeah. one stretch, Jeff. They get up fifty-two to forty on a on a banked three-pointer, and that's when okay. Joe Selvin said, "Oh my God, you know this is an omen, right? Yeah, when you're banking in three-pointers by mistake, maybe it's your night." Makes yeah. it fifty-two to forty, at which point Virginia answers with a twenty to three run. 
So now we're saying, oh, you know, reality so, is set in. Yeah. It's BC, good game, guys, but, you know, it's over. They came back. BC straightened up itself, pulled up, hitched up the old belt, came back, was 53-53, and in uh, a penetration feed by Jeff Heath to the Hamilton, Jared Hamilton in the left corner, bang, puts him up by three. They, they then D up. They make the free throws, right? You got to make those free throws in college, those crucial. They made them, and they won the game. Who knew? Was that? All right. So, my big, my big question to you, as a BC <laughs> alum, now becomes: Listen, number one, let me preface this question with the fact that Virginia is not a typical Virginia team right now. I mean, they lost everything from last year. They got um, the guys back here, Clark, they can't score. and Keys. Yeah, they, Keys they, back, they, and he's good. But they just can't score, though. They don't have enough. This is. I remember talking to Tony um, in the off season in Charlottesville. And I said to him, the, the preseason publications had just come out. And I said, hey, Tony. And every year he downplays his team. Every single year in the offseason. He's one of those, we're not as good as people think, blah, blah, blah. And I said, uh, Tony, you know, a lot of people have you ranked like 9 or 10. He looked at me. It's like 9 or 10. And then like 10 minutes later in the conversation, he just looked at me. He goes, 9? And I said, yeah, yeah, they have you 9 because, again, because of you. That's why they have you at nine is because of you and they, they, they value your coaching ability. And that's, I had them at about 16, which was obviously too high as well. Um, you know, they lost everything. They lost Ty Jerome, who I actually saw on my trip. He's playing with the Suns, Kyle guys in the G league, Deandre hunters, you know, a top five pick. Um, you know, they got a couple good players back, but they don't have enough offense. They can still guard Bob, but they can't score. They just can't score the ball. They, so they were three for sixteen, I think, on threes. Yeah. And that's them right now. Yeah. They're 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 gonna be they're gonna be fortunate to get to the NCAA tournament this year, to be honest. No, they're not that good, but it was you know, so but it was it's fun. You know, you I you, we don't have to go chapter and verse about the the, the Christian era at BC and, and their incredibly awful record against ranked teams and so forth. Does this change your thought on Jim Christian, whether he is the right man for the job, or are you ready to say, hey, Let's turn the next. Let, let's let's flip it to the next chapter With here. BC respect to we know he's a nice man. Uh, you know, yes. and I, I, okay. Here's what I was thinking. That I was thinking there are people who are thinking, and I'm think and I'm wondering, am I actually one of these people who are thinking what I think that I know these other people are thinking, which is, oh no, we win the game. It's only going to bolster his candidacy to keep the job when we know he's got to go. <laughs> you know, you, you don't want to not win the game. I mean, obviously, but then you think, oh my God, is this gonna is this gonna sway Martin Jamont, the AD, that that, that they, they, he doesn't need to make a change? You know, all I know is this: it was a wonderfully fun night at the old arena, a good house. Thanks God. Was it? Yeah, very raucous, good house. Lots of Virginia fans, I must say. I will, uh, you know, which was fine. Uh, it, it made it a fun college atmosphere, which we don't have enough often enough at BC now, as you know, we've had it many times in the past, but in the last couple of years, no. And for good reason, they have not delivered the goods. But last night, those kids, I'm telling you, I was so proud of them. They played so hard yep. and, yep. and they did, and they, and they didn't play dumb. They played smart. They didn't do dumb fouls. They didn't, they did everything they needed to do to, to do, to accomplish what they accomplished. Okay. And I thought the most heartwarming thing was after giving up a 20 to three run to Virginia, you know, and you know, they, they didn't put their heads down. They, they came back. That was the best part of the whole thing. Can I give you a potential name for Boston yeah. college? If Jim Christian does, this is going to take a couple things happening, but I'm going to throw out a name. I'm not sure if it works completely. 
but if Jim Christian doesn't make it beyond this year, and if Shaka Smart doesn't make it at Texas, could Shaka Smart be in Boston College next year? Would he? And I know. I, I saw the look in your eye just now. But not because would he view that as a you know a prestigious enough destination academically? Uh, and, you know, right now where they are, it's not good. When they entered the ACC in, in 2006, it was with one of the two or three best teams in the BC history, in my opinion. Now, I've seen every BC team since 1964-65, okay? And, and so just in that point of time, I think that the, 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 they've had some pretty de- – they've had nationally 10 top 10, literally, at the end of the season, they've had top 10 teams. I know it's hard for some people to believe it now, but, but that's the case. They entered the, the, the team that were Dudley and Smith and, and uh, you know, they, they figured out Al Skinner's flex better than any group that he had. Tightest did. flex ever. Right. It was, they, they could play their offense in a phone booth, you know. Well, they figured <laughs> it out. And, and they at the end of the year, they, they took Duke to a two-point game in the ACC final. They beat Carolina during the year. They, they, uh, they won two games in the tournament. They had 15-point lead on Villanova. And and then lost eventually in overtime on an inbounds pass in Minneapolis. Of course, the next game would have been Florida. So the journey the, the journey would have ended. But still, that anyway, they were good. They had some really good, good teams. Al Skinner had good teams. Jimmy O'Brien had a terrific team that went to the Final Eight in 1994. They had another team in '97 that won the that just rolled through the Big East. Rolled through the Big East. Got upset. I thought upset by Bill St. Joe's. Anyway, anyway. It can be done. I know times change. Now, you tell me. No, I want you to sober me up. Say, Bob, Bob, wake up. It's 2020. And you know, can it be done at BC the way it has been done in the past, given the uh, climate they, of college basketball now? So, okay, it, it can be done. Um, I, I think what they have to do is they have to um, they have to increase their investment. They, they have to add some of the bells and whistles that kids actually value these days to get Such some that. of these kids. Now, again, it's not like Al got – nobody wanted Jared Dudley. Nobody – Craig Smith, when he came to Worcester Academy, w- was fat and overweight and didn't look the part. And, you know, Troy Bell was under-recruited. And you can go through the list. Tyrese they're gonna, Rice. They're going to so, retire his jersey that, that they announced yesterday. Troy Bell's going to get a jersey. Nice, nice. Very Which cool. Which he should. Yeah, I mean, they've had some great players. But, but again, to sustain it. To sustain it long term, and and it's hard in the ACC now. They were they were better served, obviously, in the Big East. But you know, you go into their practice facility; it, it's not what other teams have right now. Um, you go to games; the atmosphere, other than Carolina, Duke, Syracuse, and maybe a Virginia, isn't. It's a pro sports town, so it's fleeting. Unless they have success, and even even when BC was nineteen and zero. You know, 10 years or so. Right, right. We're still on page eight of the Boston Globe, um, even with Joe Sullivan as a sports editor. This game, you know? Well, no, exhibit A, this game was on page, I think, C, uh, C7 of the sports. Yeah. Nice story. Yeah. Julian Benbow, we, you know, was a nice story. I didn't see the Herald yet. I have it, but I haven't read it yet. But um, um, it, it's, you know, the, the, they can't compete with. Tom Brady's future. They can't compete with the Celtics. They can't. The Red Sox stein stealing. They can't compete with with the Bruins ending a, a skid with a big win in Nashville. With you know, they're you got to keep turning that page to find the BC game, which is not. So Shaka Smart's wife, by the way, went to Harvard. Oh, that's the other. That's my other kind of just nugget that again. If something else opened up that was better, you know, Shaka was an assistant for Oliver Purnell at Clemson, and Brad Brunell at Clemson right now is probably in a little bit of trouble. So would Shaka take Clemson over Boston College? Probably, probably. But all I'm saying is that's a name to 
uh, look yeah, at I, if, I, if I, the dominoes fall. That's I'll, all. Keep I'll, it back there. I'll file that back there. But, you know, anyway, John, people don't – I know people out there have heard enough of this BC talk, I can tell you. So I'm not, I'm not going to blame it anymore. It's just, but just to say that this – here's the, the, the bigger picture, the global, the universal picture, folks, was that I, I walked into a circumstance expecting a dreary, drudge result, and we got a big bonus. And the point of this story is it can happen anywhere at any time. Just ask uh, Evansville fans – yeah, uh, that's right. Yes, Wofford fans. You know, yep. wink, wink. Uh, oh, absolutely. It can happen, and you don't know, and it's what makes being a sports fan such a, a, a fun experience. All right, let's move on a little NBA. Uh, and the, the headline, I guess, there, there were a bunch of good stuff in, in the last week or so, but uh, Anthony Davis, AD, um, declined uh, a, a max offer from, yeah. from the Lakers. Four years, $146 million. He'll become an unrestricted free agent uh, at the end of the season. Um, I'm sure this is uh, whatever Rich Paul, his his fairly new agent, has told him to do, he'll do. And this will make him eligible, uh, I believe, uh, in July for a five-year, $200-plus million deal. I, I don't think, Bob, anybody feels like Anthony Davis is going to go anywhere. He's in L.A. now. It's, it's yeah. the right market to be in. He's with um, Rich Paul's buddy, LeBron. <laughs> Yeah. So as long as LeBron's there and healthy, there's no reason to Except, think that there's any chance at eighty. Five is thirty-five, and 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 in the week we're going to talk about LeBron, of course, and and they, they made the great year that he is having, yeah. and, and as he cements his eternal you know status as a legacy, his legacy in that. But uh, still, uh, AD's full ten years younger and got a whole different career at him. So. I don't know how much of this is going to be tied. To, any decision he makes is tied to whether you know to LeBron. But once again, it's L.A. and you know, and you know, where's he going to go? Yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to denigrate any other city, so I'm not going to do that. But you know, there are places that are less desirable places to live. Let's just put it that way. You know, for a guy that has every, a guy that has an option, you know, and has the world at his feet, as it were, you know, yep. in this regard. Uh, we got to talk about what happened last night, though, because on the same day that he, or, or within 24 hours or so of declining the offer, uh, something you know, you know, scary happened. Which is he's guarding uh, Julian, Julius Randle, trying to block a shot and takes a fall. And I'm going to read the official explanation, uh, Mr. Goodman, which is that okay. as a bruise sacrum, that's S-A-C-R-U-M, which is the bottom part of the spine above the tailbone. Now, I, you know, and he was, went, he was pounding the floor, quote unquote, in pain. You know, uh, x-rays were negative. So he may just have a major owie, you know, for a while and no long-term consequence. I can tell you something, though. I, I can personalize this in a way you'll never believe. Okay. You, had a, you had a Bruce Sacrum? Many, 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 many years ago, we were living in an apartment in Norwood, Massachusetts, a second-floor apartment in a, in a house. Okay. And I went down the back stairs, and I fell. I slipped in the ice, the ice and fell on my ASS, and I hit the coccyx, the bone. I hurt for over two years. Two not, years? Not, not terribly, but it was uh, it was annoying me to for that long. <laughs> so at the very least, he's going to be irritated. He's going to have an irritation for a while. I suspect. All right, I'm just telling you. All right. Here, here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say about if if this were Anthony Davis four or five years ago, I, I'd be concerned because he was so thin. He was so <laughs> fragile. At that point. Now I feel like Anthony Davis, who's from Chicago, I think he's inherently a tough kid underneath it all. 
He's bigger. He's stronger. I always worried about, honestly, the longevity of his career early on because yeah, again, just that, that body build, like KD. You just kind of worry with that body build, yes. the pounding, especially now that AD's starting to go in the paint a little bit more and kind of impose his will and his strength on other big men. Um, so I don't, I don't worry about AD anymore. I, I think he's a guy too, Bob, that even when LeBron's time has come, I think other players are going to want to go to L.A. to play with Anthony Davis. I think he's going to have that type of aura about him. I think he's just – he's one of those kids, and he's not a kid anymore, but um, I, I've seen him since he was 15 years old. One of those kids that you just love to be around. He's just – he's real. Um, there's not a huge ego. There's not a big posse. It's the unibrow kind of thing, too. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't That's care. He has fun with the unibrow thing. That's yeah. right. Yeah. He can poke fun at himself. So I, I'm a big AD guy, and I think if they can keep this thing together, you know, listen, can they win a couple titles? And, and if LeBron can win a couple more, then this, then this big battle between MJ and, and LeBron might be real. That'd be fun. Yeah, I love that topic. I, I can't get enough of that topic. Um, and, and, yeah, hey, right now, assuming he recovers, he's going to be fine. If he's going to be fine. Let's face it; they're they're in the mix. They're, there's every reason to think they can be, you know, holding up that that Larry O'Brien Trophy. You know, they're one of the half half a dozen teams that maybe has to do that. Now, here's the immediate future for them, by the way, at Dallas, at OKC, home with Cleveland, home with Orlando, and then the weekend following is very interesting. Saturday night, the 18th at Houston, and yep. Sunday, Monday the 20th, Boston. They're not saying how long he's going to be out. Um, it's it, but you know, this is some, there's some potential L's there without him. That's for sure. Does it know? matter? No, Robert, no, does it, does it matter I, at this okay, point? Okay. All right. Thank All right. We can, this is another topic we should reserve for. Well, seriously, I want to have this okay. discussion. We don't need to have it today, but I am a big believer in the sanctity of the regular season. It's essential for the dignity and respect and, 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 and the uh, viability of professional sports to, to, to uh, have makes have meaning in the regular season. I don't want to hear about it. Only, matters in the, in the playoffs and all that i'm sorry so i know what you're saying no in the big picture no as long as you get in the tournament you know you're fine yeah i understand that but i really believe that the regular season some paying customers now we know that the people in dallas are not going to get to see anthony davis he's definitely not playing right, right. uh friday night i don't That's think he's stunned okay wait, so wait, which which leads me to my other uh question right now yes. Uh, yes. dallas i'm ready luca yes uh the lakers lebron yes. Year two. Let me let me read you some numbers. I'm gonna read you some numbers here. I'm gonna see okay? if you're using the right numbers because I got some numbers too. All right, they All were right. both 20 years old. Both 20 years old in year two. Okay. okay. Yeah. Luca, uh, averaging 29.7 points right now to LeBron's 27.2. Luca, the edge and rebounds 9.7, almost 10 a game. LeBron seven and a half. Luca assists 8.9. LeBron 7.2. Luca shooting about the same. They both shot about 47% from the field. Luca shooting 33 from three. LeBron, believe it or not, shot 35 from three year two, which surprised me a little bit. Uh, Luca, the better free throw shooter at 80 compared to 75. And most importantly, most importantly, Luca and the Dallas Mavericks are 10 games over 500 right now when uh, LeBron and Cleveland were two games over 500 at 41 and 39 that season. Who's better? Um, well, just one other interesting uh, minutes. LeBron uh, was playing 42, and Luka to get these numbers was is playing 33. 
So oh. prorated, he's th- that's pretty impressive, isn't it? For all the it numbers. is, and the, the game. This numbers. I, what I want to ask you, because I think this is important, is putting the context of how the game has changed oh, yeah. and trying to evaluate maybe who was better at the same stage. Obviously, they're they're different, but they are similar in the sense that. The two of them can just make plays for themselves, for others. They're big. They're strong. LeBron was bigger and stronger and more athletic. Um, but they're both a pleasure to watch. I mean, you're, you're splitting hairs here. I'm a, I'm a look. I'm a, I'm a LeBron fan. I yep. love watching LeBron. I've always yeah. liked watching LeBron play. I'll never forget the first time I saw LeBron in person, which was uh, I, I eschewed the games. I refused to watch the games on TV when he was at St. Pitts and St. Mary. I was I, I was just appalled by the hype, you know, and, and the whole thing. And I said at the time I wrote this, I said, I've seen every great player for the last 50 years. I'll wait. I'll, you know, I'll wait. And I, for this kid. now, of course, the number is up to 65 years, you know. OK, fine. So and I have. And that's true. And I'm proud of that. And that's fact. OK. Um, the first game I saw him play. He didn't have humongous numbers. He had a good LeBron, you know, it was a 20 this and eight and seven, whatever. But the you could see the court presence. You could see the instinct. You could see. And I said, this game for a lot of people would be one of their best games of the year. I, at the time I wrote this first time, this kid is going to be one of the, he's going to hundreds. He's going to have hundreds of games like this. And we're going to figure nobody's going to ever cite this game, but that's the impression he made of me. When I finally got to see him, it was worth the wait. I'm going at sure. you know, for me as a basketball fan, it was worth the wait to see him. Uh, all right. So I'm just put down on the side. It has nothing to do with now. Luca, I went to see him play. I'm very excited. And he, he, he got his nightly 30, you know, he, he put up his regular numbers. He's uh, the, it is a, a very similar thing. The one thing I just seemed, I have the impression and correct me here, help me. Uh, Cause I, I need to see him more often now. The uh, Brian does have the ball a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And, and does Luca have the ball in his hands is, uh, you know, proportionally as much as LeBron has the ball in his hands to accomplish what he does. Uh, I'm, I'm just asking. I don't know. I think he does. I, I think they're probably similar in terms of everything runs through both players. Absolutely. Right. Everything. Um, Again, I guess the biggest difference, Bob, would be the athleticism that came with LeBron in year two. So not only did you have the unbelievable court vision, not only did you have the the, the rebound, take it off the off the rim and go with it, but the finishing was different. That's oh, yeah. the part that separates the two is Luke is not an above the rim guy that's going to dazzle you and blow you away with thunderous dunks in the, ha- you know, in, in court. He, in transition, right? He, you're 100% correct. LeBron is a better physical being. He's, he can do things in that regard. In this regard, and, and I know I've seen this discussion, and I, I need to take it up with the party of the second part, and I haven't done it yet. He's more bird-like yeah. in, yes. in the regard of his level of athleticism and what makes him great in the court vision and the instinct and the anticipation. And the, because he does, he, he's, you know, he's – He's just not that extraordinary an athlete. No, he's not a high flyer. He's, he's a basketball player, you know, and right. a basketball player, you know, and what separates LeBron is that he's a combination of everything, you know. He's, that's why he's LeBron, you know. That's why we had never seen anything quite like him. And who's he's got? He's got magic. You can part Magic Johnson into Karl Malone's body, you know. That we we that's that's who Magic. I mean, LeBron is, and there's nobody else like him. So I heard. Um, I was watching Sports Center yesterday morning. Um, and I heard Tim Legler and Richard Jefferson mm-hmm. okay. were both saying that they feel like this kid, Luca uh, Doncic, is going to uh, define the NBA for the next 10 years. And I found it 
Yes, like like I heard it, and then I thought about it, and and then they added, even with Giannis in the NBA, they feel That's like it. this is going yeah. to be the face of the NBA for the next decade. Now he's only twenty. Giannis is a couple years older. He's not That's much it. older. He's, he's graybeard. He's fifth year already. Hard to believe, isn't it? Right. I mean, think about that. That's a strong statement. Well, you know, that's, yeah, it is a very strong statement. Um, um, barring injury, he's only going to get better, you know, really, frankly, and uh, and see things. Oh, no, they, they they hit the jackpot with him. They absolutely hit the jackpot with the, with the, with, the, with Doncic. Um, and it's, it's just wonderful to have him around. It's wonderful to have Giannis around. Uh, and it's wonderful to have these two young guards around, like Trey Young. We talk about him, it seems like, every week. And and, and ja, ja Morant and, you know, the, the, these fresh new faces, are, are they, they are going to be the guys who are going to be, you know, Taking a torch from the current, the current icons, and you know, the, the you think you think Vlade Divac is having some nightmares right now because he took Marvin Bagley at number two before Luca. Well, it, it it won't go down as the single worst decision of that no. nature. Joe Dumars, I'm afraid, has to go down in history, no. you know, for that one uh, in recent times, right? With Darko, no, but no. Uh, uh, it's it, it's going to look bad. Yeah, it's going to. But the, the, this is always this always happens, you know. I mean, it's always somebody. I mean, first of all, the the, the goof, the tooty goofs, you know, was you know, was it. Uh, um, you know, in, in Portland, of course, you know, and, and and they've done it twice. So, you know, this, you know, and remember, imagine not Michael Jordan was the third pick in the draft. Not and the first pick was universal. No one cared. Yep. The first pick was was clear. Everyone would have taken a larger one. Uh, you know, that was okay. You know. Yeah, and again, that's not a horrible pick but, by um, any means. No, but no, but no, but Michael Jordan. You know, we didn't quite know. You know enough, and of course, it comes back to the old. The only person who could hold Michael Jordan under twenty was Dean Smith line. You know, this is, you wonder about how much that affected. Yep. That, you know. Anyway, sure. Um, they're going. Uh, Vlade's going to be. You know, going to have to uh, go apologizing for that. But you know, it, it, there's plenty, but there's plenty of historical precedent, you know, for these kind of matters. I'll put it that it's way. hard. It is hard to evaluate. I mean, oh. LeBron was a no brainer. There are some no brainers, but yeah, you know, even looking at this year's NBA draft, we've talked a little bit about it. You know, is it going to be James Wiseman? Is it going to be uh, Anthony Edwards? Is somebody going to take a shot on LaMelo ball? Yeah. Uh, who, yeah. Who knows? This one's pretty wide open. And these are the ones that get GMs fired because, because the LeBron's, <laughs> Those are the easy ones. I love looking back at, like, not only who they took, but who could you have had? Who is realistic? Because some of them, again, like, Steph was never going number one. Like, no, we knew no. that. Nobody was going to take Steph Curry number one. But, but again, some people missed on him. Maybe a four or five that, um, that, that, that you look back on and you say, like, what were they thinking? You know, what were they thinking taking uh, Johnny Flynn? Uh, that high or somebody like that, and and uh, David <laughs> Kahn was the GM. I know, then. I know, I remember that. He, I was rooting for David, you know, as a everybody. As, we all were as a, as one of us, and I knew David quite well, you know, at the time. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Johnny Flynn, oh. Ricky Rubio, back to back point guard draft. Yeah, not his finest moment. Ricky, Ricky's starting to have. Ricky's having an okay. Solid. Year. Ricky's yeah, having a solid year, but year. I remember, I'll tell you a quick, I remember yeah. seeing him in the world, I don't know whether it's the world or the Olympics, they all run into my head in terms of, he was 17. Yeah. And I said, oh my God, you know, that, what poise, what presence. I said, this, really, he caught my eye. I was very impressed with him. The other guy, to start, to talk about why I'm not a GM and why we're sitting here, you know, criticizing GMs and we're not in that chair. The, the other guy that I would have bet a lot if I had, you know, were a betting man that was going to be a great player that I saw at age 18 in the Olympics, 
uh, playing with men, and I said, oh, my God, this kid has got something special. Wang Zizi. <laughs> Wang Zizi. And I remember thinking, if Wang Zizi were uh, going to be uh, recruited by an American, the line would have gone from, from Boston to Seattle. Or we're going to go in from North Dakota to Brownsville, Texas. But the, the line, they would have walked to get. The, I thought I thought that's how good I thought Wang Zizi was going to be. The, ne- well, the answer, the next great thing, Wang Zizi. I whiffed on that one. I whiffed on All right, that. well, speaking of which, speaking <laughs> of whiffing, I, I wanted to ask you this on a, on a professional level. We haven't done enough of these. And we'll go back. I want to finish the pot if we can with, with Carmelo. Yes, um, I do. But, but talking about whiffing on Wang Zizi. I want to ask you the question of what's the one column that you whiffed on? What's the one column that you look back in your career and you say like, man, I, I wish I could have had that one over. I just screwed that thing well, up. Well, not horrible. The one I was upset with is the, is the one time that I, I wrote something against my better judgment to please the boss. Yeah. And I only did that once. And it was after Reggie Lewis died. And, okay. and, and, and it was about, advocating that the Celtics deserve to get a compensatory pick or something for, you know, yep. Reggie, you know, and so it's I, the wrong, the wrong theme, the wrong I, tone. And I, yeah, I, I really didn't buy, believe it. And I, I, and I tried myself, I've been saying this for 50 years, you know, I don't write things that I don't believe. I don't write for effect. I don't write to attract attention. I write, if I write something, I believe it. And if I, if I find out that I'm wrong or if I change my mind, that's a whole other matter. And I don't mind that. Yeah. I used to say, and I tell kids this when I talk about writing uh, uh, students, that the fu- some of the fun columns you write are the b- apology columns, you know, but apology for a judgment yep. and error, an error judgment, not not for principle and ethical judgment, you know. But I'm talking about a talent judgment. For Exhibit A, the Celtics signed Ray Williams in 1985 in the second half of the year. Okay. And Ray Williams was a, was a controversial personality to say the least he filled the box score you know which included the turnover category you know you know he always filled and he and it was he was a flamboyant talented but erratic to say the least player and you know they signed him and i just went you know yep, off yep. the deep end and horrible turned, signing oh, yep. he started and he played really well so I write the apology column, and the apology column was, you don't believe what happened, but someone came in and they then they kid they broke into my office and they took my story and they and they ruined it and or they t- and then they 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 substituted another story and put my name on it and I I never would you know something like that some stupid yeah, yeah have fun with it yeah fun with it apology column yeah. yeah but thank God I I I really don't have any other you know any awful regrets that I. I you know, you know, the one thing that you worry about, and I call this drive-by shooting, when you go in somewhere uh, on a feature assignment, you know, particularly, but I call them the same thing sometimes, and you're, you're, you're just gleaning the whole situation on the fly, and you make instant judgments, and you don't know the truth about somebody. You don't know the backstory. That's you could get burned on that regard. You know, you're saying something about somebody to find out uh, you should have investigated a little more. You know, uh, he, he's not who you thought he was. Or he's a, you should have, you should be, you got, you're going to get burned on this one. Yeah, that, that's something that can happen. Yeah. The one that I regret, uh, and I actually apologized to him when I saw him a few years ago, uh, I crushed Tubby Smith when he was at Kentucky at the end because he couldn't recruit. He just couldn't. His staff, I felt like, wasn't very good. They weren't getting big-time players at Kentucky at all, and you could sense that the end was coming, and and I just felt like – and I was kind of 
not new to college basketball, but but young, young, mm-hmm. and didn't know. And I come up through recruiting, and yeah. I, I forgot Bob to really take into account the fact that Tubby Smith did it the right way and wasn't cheating. Okay, <laughs> and so it's not apples and apples here. Yeah, and, no, right, right. And I hammered him. I did. I hammered him, saying like he should be fired because he's not getting all Americans. He's not getting these elite level guys. Well. So uh, a few years ago, I saw him at a, at a Coach's First Cancer uh, event down in, uh, in Columbia, South Carolina, and I sat next to him. And it was the first thing I said to him. I said, hey, listen, um, I just want to tell you how much I apologize and, and how wrong I was for writing that column because I didn't take into account um, really the context that it should have included, which was he's not getting the players, but he's not getting them largely because he's not cheating. He's not doing some of the things that, that some of the other guys are doing to get these top players. So, you know, he's still a hell of a coach, and he does it in with the highest class. You know, you were down there at High Point. High Point, right. I'm still here with High Point now. Uh, here's one I'm thinking about on the fly, and I think uh, that comes in. I have to – I think I'd be remiss if I don't bring this one up. I'm not – there's a column I wrote that a lot of people around here think I should be apologizing for, Al which Skinner. I'm not. And yep. that was the day that Al Skinner – was fired at BC. Yep. And and I wrote the appraisal of Al Skinner's with that it had been a golden era of BC basketball, but it was over. And yep. he wasn't getting and he wasn't recruiting and it, 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 they didn't have anybody coming in that year. You know, and his no well known work, he's the least hardworking man in showbiz. You know, right. so up at twelve right. three on three basketball. The these assistants had the practice ready to go. But he could coach that's right his way. That flex, which not everybody could handle, in fact, very few could, but when it, they got it right, as we were talking about earlier, it, it was very effective, and the right kids, he finally found a great, the greatest group to do it, and he had a terrific year. But it was time for him to go. Well, here's all right. Now, people think I was very unfair to Al. There are a couple of things I have to talk about. Number one, well, here's the funny part. You'll love this. And right. other, maybe any other writers out there would love this. So that happened to be the day that we were all leaving to go to the Final Four. So it's 6.20 in the morning. I'm with my wife. We're on our way. I forget what city it was that year. And we're at the Dunkin' Donuts in Terminal B, and excuse me, Terminal A in, oh, in, oh. in Logan Airport. And who's ambling down in my direction? Al. Al. I said to my wife. How did that go? I said, honey, I said, I'm going to get this over with right now. Yep. You know, Smart. I got up, talked to Al, I let Al say what he wanted to say. You know, which was, you know, and I said, all I can tell you is this. I simply reflected what everybody is saying about you. I'm sorry. And Bob, Bob, I wrote the same column, the same column as you. I wrote and I had seen the least hardest working man in, in, in business because I went out on the recruiting trail all the time. <laughs> I was out there every You didn't see the least hardest working man. <laughs> it's true. I mean, listen, the guy could coach, but he also had a staff. Ed oh, Billy Cohen, Patrick Cat, Billy Cohen was a terrific coach. Eddie Cooley was a good coach and a wonderful guy. They're both wonderful guys. And Pat Duquette at UMass Lowell. That was the core, that staff on that 96 team. Yep. Hell, and Billy Cohen found him the players. We know that. And he coached them up. Yep. Give him yep. that. That's right. When he had no. the players. Well, he wasn't finding the players. Al came up to me at a uh, play a, a Boston before a Boston Celtics playoff game and came up next to, to me. And I think his line was, Hey, Jeff, why are you always sweating me? No. And, <laughs> and I said, Al, listen, I was out for all those summers. I didn't see you. 
I didn't see you. You you were not a relentless recruiter by any means, and that's probably being kind. So I'm with you. I wrote it. You feel bad writing it, but ultimately I didn't feel wrong, and I still don't. I felt like BC basketball, they had they had been under 500 two of the last three years before he was fired. It was going in the wrong direction. Trending sure. downward. He wanted to get other big-time jobs. He didn't get it. St. John's, Rutgers, I think, for example. You know, the word was out, okay? The word was out. And he actually blamed me for this at one point. And yeah. we, we bumped into each other somewhere. He said, when they go on uh, online, they see your column. I said, Dow, they do their own homework. They're not going to base their judgment on what Bob Ryan wrote about you uh, as exclusively. Yeah, they're going to make some, come on, Alec, you know, stop it. You know, that's not yeah. the reason. And, of course, yeah. he wound up at Kennesaw State. And, that's and, right, which uh, was the worst spot for him because that's a job you really, really got to grind it uh, yeah. and work. And, and Al, yes, Al was and, not a grinder, period. A hell of a coach. Al's a, a good man. And, yes. and here's what I always said about Al, by the way. I, when he was at BC, in the height of his glory at BC, his real lot in life, he would be a terrific NBA assistant coach. 100%. Knows his basketball. He's an ex-pro. Yep. Played with Dr. J. Played in the I'm AJ. shocked nobody and, hired him on their bench. But I think he probably had offers, but he didn't want to live that lifestyle. You don't, you don't have the, the trap. speaker's hours. You don't have yeah. to show up at 12 noon and play three on three with your friends and then take a sauna and then go walk into the practice at, in the NBA. Do you? No. No. I think I bet anything he had offers. Maybe. He would hey, have been Bob. a perfect addition to any staff. Well, maybe he just didn't want to play lunchtime hoops with, with those guys. Maybe that was just too much of a step up for him. <laughs> And he couldn't win those games quite as easily That's as he could. The for well so the, the more power to him. He knew the lifestyle. I'll say this, the man at Rhodey and at BC over a 20-year period lived the lifestyle he wanted, had a, a, a excellent, had a lot, a lot of success. You know, I mean, and I think he's comfortable in his own skin, you know, and that's important for yeah. all of us. Again, right. good human being. Uh, I'm with you a thousand percent. I so was with you <laughs> when you wrote that story. All right, let's finish on. 35-year-old Carmelo Anthony. Last night. Great game winners. The ball goes to Melo. What's up? It's good. The Blazers win. What's going on, Robert? The 17th game-winning go-ahead basket of his career. All right? Uh, right, Let me, full disclosure, and I'll take my little statement. Whatever you have to say. I've never been a Melo fan, except at Syracuse. Okay. (laughs) Well, he was terrific. He did one of the great one-year jobs, one of the great carry, put a team on his back. in our lifetime, it may be in that category, second only to Danny and the Miracles yep. in, in, in 88. In that category. Oh, Larry Bird took him to the finals, but he didn't get it done, you know. But but he got it done. Okay. All right. I've never been a big fan of his game, you know. And and I thought last year at Houston was categorical proof, you know. But here's what I said about Melo, and, and I was, that his lot in life now should be the quintessential Melo was playing for the U.S. Olympic team. In, in both 08 and 12, but at 12, they're losing. They're having trouble with Spaniard, with Spain. He comes off the bench, bang, 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 bang. He hits four jumpers, and then Coach K says, thank you very much. Have a seat now. You, you did your job. We'll watch the rest of the game together, you know? And I thought that's what he should have been doing in the NBA the last couple of years. And But meanwhile, he's starting. He's, at, he's playing 32 minutes a game, and he's averaging 16.5, and he's helping that team. So, hey, you're proving yourself right, and I was wrong. Well, so, the only thing I'll say so, to that, Bob, is is <laughs> since Portland brought him on board, uh, would you care to guess uh, their record in the twenty three games he's played? Uh, seven and sixteen. I don't know. No. Ten and thirteen. Okay. Ten well, and thirteen. Maybe it would have been so, seven and sixteen. Well, so anyway. they are what they were before Mar- Mello. He could score 
Listen, the thing that I think is misunderstood about Mello is, and I broke the story. Believe it or not, I was at Fenway Park when I broke the story that Mello had committed to Syracuse. That It, it really ages me and, and, and shows what I was doing recruiting-wise back then. Uh, but I was at Fenway before a Red Sox game that I was covering. And uh, my versatility showing there, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I like that. And uh, I, I think Mello is a great kid, great guy, great guy, was a good kid. You know, I think the mellow off the court is just very different than the mellow on the court. He, he's laid back uh, off the court. Everybody likes him on the court. He, he's a ball stopper. He's a scorer. He's one dimensional. Um, you know, he, to be honest, here's my take, Bob. And I don't know if you agree with this. I don't know if he's that different than Paul Pierce was. Until KG and Ray Allen got there. I think Paul Pierce, if he didn't get KG and Ray, might have been mellow. That's a very interesting uh, observation. Yeah, I, I, certainly he broadened his game as time went on. He's, his assist totals went up. His, his, his overall court presence. That's very interesting. I like that. Better defender. To... Obviously, Paul was a better defender overall when he wanted to be. Yeah. What I'm saying is, like, Mello is kind of considered a losing NBA player. Oh, for no most question. of his career, no one-dimensional, a ball stopper. That's what Paul Pierce was in Boston for the most part until KG got there and Ray got there with his con- consummate professionalism. Oh, the two yeah. of them, then the three of them kind of you know joined forces and the whole mantra of Paul Pierce changed. No, did it not? And got him to the Hall of Fame. I'm not sure. Totally he, did. The, Without the KG... The trajectory that he was on was definitely not one. I mean, I sat in those Hall of Fame meetings three times, and I, you know, I don't think he would have been considered as much prior to that 07-08 season. Yeah, very good point. Right. Oh, he's you know he's a lock Hall of Famer. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's gonna. Oh, that'd be got to got to be. Yeah. And of course, this oh. next year, of course, is the big, uh, going to be the, the the greatest class ever. And I did research this, and it is going to be the greatest class ever for the three. Really? In, in greatest a, class ever. Yeah, greatest class ever. There was a there was another one that was good, uh, but was Jordan and Stockton, and I think the third one, but not the level. No, all three. What you is Duncan? What is this Duncan Kobe and Carnett? Oh my God! Rank those three for me: Duncan, Kobe, Garnett. Uh, yeah, I would agree. I would um, agree. Tim Duncan's um, like the most understated elite level player, maybe ever. Yeah. I had him on my all-time starting five until LeBron kicked him out. And knock uh, him off that. Long yes. and Larry are forwards, but but uh, you know he's that good. Absolutely. That, no, that that's going to be. I just wonder three alpha dogs. How that sharing the spotlight of that weekend, and I'll be there in Springfield watching that. Would be very. <laughs> well, you're gonna you're gonna end up dozing off during Duncan's speech. I mean, let, let's be honest. Bullsus. What if he's saving up? This is the moment. You know. Probably not. You're right, but uh, you know, uh, but he, he certainly will be the most understated of three. That's for sure. But but uh, you know, KG will be fine. By the way, what, the what's movie, the over? See? Hey, the over under on the amount of f bombs during KG's speech? Oh, twelve. Right. <laughs> I mean, we're gonna need somebody to bleep that speech no, out. Oh, in that, in that August building, the Symphony. Oh boy, that's gonna be fun. By the way, I saw KG in Uncut Gems. You know, the Adam Sandler movie. And, and did you and, like the movies? And I loved. I, I liked it. I, I liked. It. I wanted to like it more, but I liked it. I know we've had this discussion uh, privately, yeah. and um, maybe we had it publicly last time we talked. Maybe we did. I don't know. But uh, anyway, but KG, not surprisingly, 
he plays it, it's typecasting no doubt but he does play himself quite well <laughs> couldn't you play yourself bob would wouldn't you I, be just I, fine I, playing yourself in a movie i my i have two experiences in front of a, a, a real camera yeah. and there was and there were one, uh you know one of them was a one liner one I had two lines one was cut okay. and and the <laughs> other one uh there were a few lines. Uh, it wasn't too taxing. I, I, I didn't have to show a range of emotion. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so I, I, I don't know why you didn't get that role instead of Mike Francesa. Why, why, why oh, Francesa instead oh, of I, you? But he came off pretty good. No, I wouldn't have been able to be as bombastic as this. <laughs> you didn't look the part. thing too. But I, well, believe me, you know that was. But I, I love him. You know he. It's you know. Can I say? And uh, our friend, local friend Gary Tangway. Our friend Gary Tangway gets a cameo in. Uh, of, of uh, the NBC Sports Boston gets a cameo in Knives Out. That's awesome. I love Gary yeah. Tangway. Sitting there going, it's Gary Tangway! And, wow. And, and yes, and cool. it was. I didn't, that movie was made in Massachusetts, Knives Out. Is By it? the way, I didn't know Knives that. Out is flat out fun. Is it? And All right, I haven't seen Daniel it. Daniel Craig uh, deserves, a, you know, I'm just saying that there's only five. He deserves heavy consideration for an Oscar nomination for his role in Knives Out. He's really good. Okay. All right. And with that, uh, that is your, your episode and your, uh, your, your recommendation. Your recommendation uh, uh, to Knives Out. Just want to share good fun afternoon or evening. Go see Knives Out. Good. And with that, uh, we will see you next week on the Ryan and Goodman podcast. I think we'll both be uh, – no, you'll be gone. You'll I'll be, be in the next, uh, next Wednesday, though. I'll be definitely back. We're ready to go on Wednesday. Perfect. All right, we'll do it next Wednesday, and uh, have a great time in New Orleans. Thank you. Don't, don't eat too much, all right? Don't eat too all much right. of that jambalaya. It's going to be hard. And go Eagles! Go Eagles. There you go. Take care. <laughs>